The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. Friday morning, and welcome to a end of the week edition of Analyze This here on your NPR station in the U.S. Virgin Islands, WTJX FM. With yours truly, Neville James. It's a beautiful day in paradise as it's been throughout the week. And uh, we got a great show lineup. Um, second hour going to be our music. Our music. And uh, looking forward to that. Uh, our number one. We have a guest that's coming out at about 8.10. Uh, you're going to like this one. Um, uh, this particular guest, Ray Bratcher, uh, is going to talk about uh, the power of conscious breathing as a way to banish stress, anxiety, anger, and trauma and promote uh, better health. He's been a professional breath worker since 1993. So looking forward to that and the mission of the Association of Spiritual Integrity and all that good stuff. So we good there. Um, I'm going to ask my DJ quickly to call uh, the weather service um, so they go uh, let us know. They're already in place? We're good. So we got the weather service on. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. Morning. Krista? Yes. How are you? I'm doing great. You? I'm doing good. I'm good. Is the weather down there in Puerto Rico as lovely as it is up here? It has been great here. It's been so beautiful. I know. I know. How long is it going to remain this way? Uh, for a while still. It uh, looks pretty much like most of our concerns are going to be just in the form of, of passing showers when it comes to the weather. Um, there's not a ton of moisture, so it's just maybe we see a shower once or twice, more so uh, the chances on that in like the overnight early morning hours. But for the most part, it should be beautiful. Maybe like yesterday there were a little bit of clouds on the southern end of St. Croix, but... That that was the worst of it. Well, we could we could use some more showers than the passing showers because we don't want the island to get brown. Yeah, that definitely has been one of the, the problems. Certainly, things are starting starting to turn a little yellow here. Uh, but green, we, we wanted we want a green Christmas. You know, that's the, the, we had a song back in the day. I don't want a white Christmas with plenty of snow. Give me a bright Christmas with steel band and calypso back in the day. And, uh, so we want that green Christmas. Anyway, I can't sing. Sorry about that. Um, um, what about our boaters? Because we've had a small craft advisory for the week. Is that still in effect? Yes, that is basically, it's it's never ending. It really feels like we've, we've got more swell coming in. So we've got seas of seven to about eight feet um, higher in the offshore Atlantic waters. And we still have... I mean, for the beachgoers, it's still pretty dangerous. We, we have high surf advisories in across uh, all of the USVI, as well as a whole bunch of Puerto Rico, because we have uh, breaking wave heights of around 10 to 11 feet at the lowest in terms of the average uh, breaking wave height. So it's not great for being at the beach. Um, it's not so bad if you're on the south coast. 
because those are sheltered from the swell. But certainly if you're going to be in the east or the north, it's not great. Okay. Um, beach cars, so you said beach cars are going to be okay on the, south, on the south side, but be careful on the north side of the islands? On, on the south side, it should be fine. Um, we're looking at probably breaking waves much closer to like five feet um, at, at highest for the sheltered areas. But for the northern parts, it's it's not good. Okay. What about the weekend? It's going to remain the same? Dry air and passing showers? It's more of the same all the way through the weekend into early next week. Okay. At least. Okay. And same for Vieques and Culebra? Same, yes. Okay. You gonna be you gonna be with us for the season or you're heading back home for a couple of days? I am working for Christmas, so mm, so you're I here with us. Here. Okay, you'll you'll have yeah. that green Christmas that we're talking about. That's good. Yes. Thank you very much, Krista. Enjoy the weekend. Talk you to as you well. Maybe talk to you on Monday, okay? Okay. Okay, take care. You too. Right, that's uh Krista from National Water Service, uh down there in San Juan. Quickly before we bring Mr. Bratan um uh, COVID-19 numbers, uh, 214 negatives, 10 positives. So that's a good ratio, right? 21.4 to 1. So we could live with that. You know what I'm saying? Definitely could live with that. That's under 5%. Nationally holding steady at 12%. Um, average deaths, 373. That's down significantly from the 451. So I guess that's that, that one day we talk about when you factor it in, it's impacting. But we still got 40,000, over 40,000 people in under American uh, jurisdictions uh, hospitalized and 4,561 in uh, ICU. So we're going to keep an eye on that nationally. I think, I think we could. I mean, we're getting mentally you know, frustrated and fatigued from it. But I think uh, I want to be optimistic. I think we're going to be okay with this one. Now, yesterday was not good. Uh, in the marketplace, and the Dow was down seven hundred and sixty-four point one three points, uh, two and a quarter percent market share gone, and uh, only one of the thirty blue chip stocks are gained. Nasdaq, you know, the tech-heavy Nasdaq uh, index, down three point two three percent. And I got an article that I'm going to talk about uh, in in hour number two, where they're saying the Feds, the Feds are overdoing it with these um. Uh, Read hikes, you know. So we can we can look at that, and I'm gonna read some of that New York Times article. And check, but the Fed's overdoing it, and we got to um, to check. Market drops as investors fear effects of higher rates. You know, so clearly that this this argument about in instances where the economy is too strong, too many people working, all that stuff. I don't understand that. That you know. They say the market's supposed to correct itself, but, but these, the need for increasing uh, uh, these uh, interest rates uh, is kind of stunning. Anyway, uh, that's pretty much what it is. We'll get back to that in one number two. We're going to bring in uh, Mr. Bracha, and uh, hopefully uh, he could join us uh, for 810. And uh, we could talk about um, controlling emotions, you know? And, and and all that stuff, and of course, you know the season. This is the season for the reason, the reason for the season. I mean, and um, and the season for the reason. <laughs> uh, and hopefully, yeah. Uh, um, uh, you know, it could be a event 
less incident free that's the best way because we're going to have events and uh, hopefully uh, the events are um, successful events and all that stuff I think next week we're going to be getting the tourism department the division of uh, festivals uh, to join us now uh, to give us an update of what's going now we know Stanley them definitely coming on Monday right because the serenades are on for next week so you know it's going to be good to have um, these uh, musical geniuses here uh, in the studio. And uh, how are you? Morning. Morning. And morning. And um, so we could break down um, how they, their origins, their personal origins with uh, Quelbe music and just music in general because they, they, they could play any kind of music, but they just decide that scratch band music and Quelbe music is their thing. So looking forward to speaking with them on Monday, but in the meantime and in between time, I want to uh, introduce to you um, Mr. Ray Bratcher. That's the name, sir? That's it. Yes. Speak, yeah. di- speak directly into the microphone. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning, Senator James. It's, uh, Neville. Neville. It's an honor to be here. I honor know, to be on I'm your a, show. I'm Thank I'm you for having me. And good morning to your listening audience. Okay, good. Tell us about yourself. And to, you know, for those who are hearing you for the first time and myself, tell us. Who, who are you? Okay, well, I'm, my name is Ray Bratcher. I do something here on St. Croix called Sacred Breath, which is a breathwork process. But I think the way that I, what I came to the attention of your station is, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. When there are people who are, like, very famous among certain groups, but if you're not in that group, you've never heard of them, and, like, I had a humorous thing one time. So I learned breathwork from a man named Leonard Orr, who discovered it. And all the modern forms of breathwork that people have heard about are derivatives of his work. Um, someone who learned it from him added some bells and whistles and changed the name. Like, for example, Dr. Stanislav Grof. A lot of people have heard of him. They've heard of holotropic breathwork. He learned rebirthing breathwork from Leonard Orr at the Esalen Institute in California. Mm -hmm. And then he added music. He plays music while you breathe. The original form, they don't do that. They want the energy of the breath to be left alone, Mm -hmm. right? And then he he calls... Uh, Groff calls it holotropic breathwork. What define breathwork? Breathwork Breath, for, for those who are listening. Breathwork. Um, uh, the misnomer about it is that it's any kind of like yogic pranayama breathing. So just sitting in a chair, uh, counting your breaths, keeping the inhale and the exhale the same for like five minutes is often referred to as breathwork. The what they call the corpse pose at the end of a yoga class where you're just laying down on the floor and watching your breath, that's often called breath work. But what we really mean by breath work is um, not five minutes, not 15 minutes, more like an hour and a half, two hours of consciously connecting your breathing. And after about 10 minutes, when you do that, you begin to feel an energy moving through your body, and that energy f- finds all the contracted places in your system where you've where you've your energy has gotten contracted from traumatic events or negative thoughts or um, 
negative early childhood experiences, and it begins to release and integrate that. So, and that's a very, um, it's more of an energy healing than a breathing healing. You can use your breath to calm yourself, relax yourself. You can use it to charge yourself up. Navy SEALs use a box breathing to have themselves be um, uh, uh, alert but not uh, uh, excited, excited, overly excited like um, jerky, you know. Mm. Um, But what we're talking about is a form of, of healing yourself with the energy of the breath. And so you mentioned a couple of things. You mentioned yoga, mm-hmm. and, and um, yoga. Uh, I thought yoga was more about meditation, but you're but you're 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 saying now that there's also a breathing component. Well, like a half of yoga, uh, there's like different poses, mm-hmm. and it's, so it's kind of like calisthenics. It's exercises. It's to stretch you out. Mm-hmm. But at the very end. The final pose is called the corpse pose. You lay on your back, hands on the floor, and you're just sort of like like a corpse, not yeah, moving. Yeah. And you focus on your breath. And that's sometimes when people talk about breath work in yoga, that's what they're referring to. Mm-hmm. But that's just, um, I mean, it's good, but it's not the breath work that I'm talking about. Okay. Well, because I, I, you know, I'm a sports guy, sports junkie, and um, a couple of my favorite guys they they uh they mentioned the use of yoga as a means of um so you're saying it's like a healing thing the uh, breath work yeah breath work is a healing thing yeah. and if in fact they embrace yoga uh yoga is about uh but based on what they they said it's about mentally putting the mind at ease yeah when you're laying there in the corpse pose and also just during all the other poses because while you're focused on doing the pose, your talking mind, mm-hmm. the storyteller in your head, it turns off. It can't be running. If you're, if you're running the story in your head while you're trying to do your yoga pose, you're going to mess up. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when we do this breath work that I'm talking about, you, it also stills the talking mind. So it's a form of meditation as well as a form of energy healing. Mm-hmm. In fact... Um, Myself, so the, I got the, in. It's a combination. Yeah, yeah, I got into it as like as a part of my spiritual path. Yeah. I didn't see it as healing at mm-hmm. all. I had no. For me, at, at what time in your being did you get into this? Like twenty two, twenty three. Okay. And um, I, I was. And I you could a, actually feel after after you go through your routine, you could actually feel a different uh, a, a relaxation in your body. And you yeah, know, well, like, it's the routine. It's just I lay down and I breathe and a connected specifically connected technique mm-hmm. that I learned for an hour and a half, two hours. And I push the energy through my body. I feel the energy going through my body. Um, what, got, what got you to this? Because you said 22, so that means yeah. that something happened or, or something. I was, um, I, I've always been kind of spiritual. Mm-hmm. I had a regular meditation practice. I went to churches and Tibetan Buddhist sanghas and learned all the different meditation techniques. And, well, it's really, it's, it's like miraculous. You, you were aware in the world at this particular point? Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, Virginia. Richmond, okay. Virginia. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, I, I get like, I, I have like feelings about what I should do. I call it guidance. Mm-hmm. 
And at the time, um, I was sleeping in my bathtub. Wow. For some reason, I just had this overwhelming urge to sleep in my bathtub. And this is Richmond, Virginia, electricity, water, free and, you know, cheap and abundant. Mm-hmm. So I would, like, get the tub hot, lay down in it, fall asleep. Two or three in the morning, the water would be cold, and that would wake me up. I got to where I could pull the plug out with one foot and let the water drain down halfway. And with my other foot, I could turn the hot water on and fill it back up. And I could... So you're talking entire night sleeping in a bathroom. Yeah, I barely woke up. Barely woke up. I could just add, change the water, make it hot again, and go right back to sleep. With with bedrooms available? Oh, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. I wasn't, like, living in a bathtub because I had no other choice. Um, I just felt like I needed to do this. And then one time... And it was in the middle of the day. It was a weekend. I had a regular nine-to-five job. Mm-hmm. So on Saturday, I'm in the tub again. And I suddenly got this overwhelming urge to jump out. I felt like if I don't get out of the tub right now, I'm going to die. I was just like panicking. And there was no reason for that. I didn't have any place to go, no place to be. The tub was perfectly fine. No sharks in my bathtub. Yeah. And I, but I jump out, and I'm like breathing hard, and I'm trembling. And I'm looking at this, and I'm like, what was this about? And I knew. How long was that for? What? How the, long? The, the, the bathtub uh, sleeping excursion. Um, until I got guided to this book about re- no, from like how, like how many weeks or months or whatever. Oh, um, it was like a month and a half. Month and a half, okay. Yeah. And when I jumped out and got like freaking out, yeah. I'm like, I, okay, I know this is not, this is something psychological. There's something going on here. Yeah. And I forced myself to get back in the tub and when the panic arose i forced myself to stay just to see what would happen and i felt like huge waves of energy coming off me it's like i was releasing something i don't i didn't know what i was releasing but it was like dark dense heavy stuff from early in my life and i'm just releasing it Mm -hmm. what we'll do is we'll, we'll take a break uh right there and, and, and uh, we'll come back and we'll get more details to tell us about how you actually got to the point where, um, you know, it's now a, a part of the routine without the drama. Right. Okay. Uh, we got uh, Ray Bradshaw here joining us. Uh, we'll be back right after this. Bank of St. Croix, our mobile apps provide access to business accounts on the go, and our merchant card services accept credit and debit payments anywhere, anytime. Plus, the online banking platform means your bank is always open. Bank of St. Croix has two locations, one in Gallows Bay at 340-773-8500 and one in Peter's Rest at 340-713-8500. BankofStCroix.com During a busy day, it can be hard to make room for even one more thing. So it's a real plus that All Things Considered from NPR News is great for multitaskers. You can confidently add being well-informed to your to-do list and know that you will get it done. Whether you're cleaning out your junk drawer on a quick drive or something else, listen to All Things Considered every weekday afternoon. From 5 to 8 p.m. right here on WTJX FM 93.1. 
that time of the year when it's nice to connect with each other. WTJX has been here for you all year round, but we need your support. Show your gratitude for WTJX and give today by calling 844-737-9842 or by heading to WTJX.org forward slash donate. Thank you from WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. Parents, have you struggled with finding safe spaces for your children to meet up and learn through play and social interaction? Teen Time at the VI Children's Museum offers fun family learning for children ages 12 to 18 years old. A free program for all participants. For dates and information, 340-643-0366 or teentime at vichildrensmuseum.org. here on uh, Analyze This and we've got uh, Mr. Uh, Ray Bratcher uh, joining us here um, and we're, we're talking about uh, breath work, right? And, and how it could serve as a form of healing uh, uh, as well. So you were saying that you, you, you fought um, the urges to, to, to come out of the, the, the tub and, and, and what happened from there? Yeah, so I forced myself to stay in and I just like crossed through a barrier. Suddenly I became totally relaxed and at peace mm-hmm. and calm. And it felt like something got released from me. I just like, you know, something from early life or something. I didn't know what it was, but it, I could just feel the heaviness just leaving my body. And so at the same time, shortly after that, I get this feeling to go to this metaphysical bookstore. And I go in there, like these feelings, I don't get like the whole plan. I mm-hmm. get guidance, but I just ha- I one step at a time. So I'm in the bookstore. Okay, why am I here? I have no idea. And then I look on the shelves and, you know, because I was guided, I was guided to come at a particular time of day. And this bookstore was like under the ground, was like a basement kind of a thing with mm-hmm. windows around the top. Anyway... The sunlight, the way it was coming in, it was like this one book that was lit up. <laughs> so I go, okay, let me go see what this is about. Yeah. And I, and it's a book called Rebirthing in the New Age by Leonard Orr and Sandra Ray. And I open it up to a random page, and the, and he's talking about staying in the bathtub until you get the overwhelming urge to leave. And if you stay through that, that's called an urgency barrier, and it brings up and heals all kinds of psychological stuff. And that's exactly what had happened to me. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm supposed to buy this book. So I buy the book, and I'm reading it. I read the whole thing, and then I'm like, okay, um, in addition to my meditation practice, I need to find a rebirther to give me rebirthing breathwork sessions. And so I start looking for one. Um, long story short, at along about the same time, I get diagnosed with rapid onset, um, what was it, rapid, no, early onset rapid degenerative rheumatoid arthritis. Wow. I, I had this excruciating pain in my shoulder, and I didn't want to go to, I, I don't know, like most men, I don't like going to the doctor, mm-hmm. um, but I was getting no sleep. 
And so I was becoming delirious from lack of sleep. Early like, onset. Yeah, early onset, rapid, rapid degenerative, degenerative. rheumatoid. So apparently it's like the worst kind. Mm -hmm. And the doctor told me that the pain in my shoulder would eventually be in every joint. I was going to be in a wheelchair. There's no cure. They hoped that they could give me a tolerable quality of life while I waited for someone to hopefully find a cure. And, you know, he said, there's a good chance of that because there's people in labs all over the world looking for one. Um, and as far as I know, they still don't have a cure. But he wanted to inject me with steroids. And so I called my father up and gave him the news. He had just retired from the Air Force. Mm -hmm. And his hobby at the time appeared to be, he had his own personal copy of the physician's desk reference because he was on all kinds of medications for high blood pressure and heart condition. So he was always like looking up side effects. So I told him the, what they wanted to do. And he's like, uh-oh, just a minute. Let me read you something. And he's reading the side effects of the drugs they wanted to inject me with. And it's like, you know, renal failure, blindness. Mm -hmm. and, I, and, I, and I'm like, geez, I think I'd rather just have a sore <laughs> shoulder. <laughs> yeah. And so they had to do some kind of a test. Like the course of treatment was they, they inject you with a low dose and your body develops a tolerance. So they keep upping the dose. Correct. And then eventually... When you're uh, at maxed out, they switch you to another steroid, and mm -hmm. you can. So he needed to know which one to start me with. So we we're waiting. For, so, so there's some kind of test that I think it was a blood sample. This is decades ago. Well, well, but why didn't you reject it immediately after your dad told you the side effects? Well, I was like, what? Because it, um, they I know were, the pain. The pain is the pain is intolerable at some at some. Yeah, point, the but. pain was intolerable. I mean, I mean, this was like I already what I'd already done is seen the doctor. He'd taken the sample. He said, we're going to find out from the test results which one to start you on. And when we get those back, we'll make an appointment. Mm -hmm. And so they had made the appointment. I had an appointment for 10 o'clock on a Saturday to come in for my first injection. And in the meantime, my dad's telling me that. And then in the meantime, I find out that Leonard Orr himself is an hour away from my house in Richmond. Wow. Um, I had thought he was in California because he had this 700-acre training center in California, or maybe he's in India because he went to India for like three months out of every year. He was always on a world tour, but he had gotten guidance to go east, and he had purchased a property in uh, Stanton, Virginia, in the mountains. You know, he, he likes the mountains. Mm -hmm. And, and the way that I found that out was like just a totally miraculous chain of events. Um, like every one of them, a million to one shot that, that, that I would have had, you know, found that out. And then all of them put together is like astronomical. And I, so I found out. And so I'm calling to make an appointment to get um, breathwork sessions. And it's with, with Mr. Orr. Actually, he doesn't see you. He didn't see you until you had at least well, not, 50. Not, 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 not physically with Mr. Orr, but with, with his program. With his program yeah. at his training center from his lead trainer. In Virginia. In Virginia. Okay. And she was actually a woman from Germany. Okay. And she was his lead worldwide trainer. And she was going to give me my sessions. But she was going back to Germany in a couple of months. So I needed to start now. And the only time she could see me was 10 a.m. Saturday. Yeah. 
which is the same time that I had the appointment with the doctor for my first steroid shot with. Yeah. And I'm telling you, I was, it, it was like the world became totally quiet while I was sitting there making the most important decision of my life. Which way was my life mm -hmm. going to go? Because on the one hand, I'm... So you got, you got two different forces pulling. Got pull two it. different. Force, go see the doctor for the pulling steroid. You, pulling you in opposite exactly. directions. Or go see the breath worker. So I made the appointment with the breath worker, called up the doctor, apologized, I'm not going to be there. Mm -hmm. um, then they're like, well, do you want to make another appointment for a reschedule? I don't uh, know. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I, so I went to see this breath worker. And I was just going there for the meditation. I wasn't thinking of it as yeah, yeah, a the, healing. The, the, yoga, thing. the yoga thing, yeah. And... Within 10 sessions, somewhere in my first 10 sessions, you, you generally... So she you, was there long enough for you to have 10 sessions with her or, or just 10 sessions at the at the. I at did the 10 facility. sessions at the place. I think the first five or six were with her. Mm -hmm. And then she started having um, she, uh, the executive director and she would both give me sessions together. And then she left and the executive director took over. And, you've, and you, you, you immediately saw and felt the positive results somewhere during the 10 sessions i suddenly realized my arm wasn't hurting anymore wow. i didn't even know when it happened it just like one day it just hit me i'm not taking advil anymore my arm doesn't hurt anymore and i never got any steroid injections so, um, you, say, so you are living proof that yeah. mind mind control can can ease physical pain yeah 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 i mean um for the, the people on the radio that can't see me, I'm not in a wheelchair either. Mm -hmm. uh, the medical literature, the scientific literature, points out a, a connection between stress and rheumatoid arthritis. Not only rheumatoid arthritis, it's also a pretty big connection between stress and multiple sclerosis. And that's something that um, uh, Dr. Gabor Mate talks about in his book, um, uh, uh, the myth of normal tr trauma healing. What is it called? The myth of normal uh, trauma and healing in a toxic culture. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how our our the system that we live in encourages us to be aggressive and competitive with one another, whereas as mammals we actually are innate natural being is to be cooperative and loving towards one another. And so that way that we're pushed to behave causes us to be stressed out. So we're constantly feeling like a chronic stress in our being. And that stress leads to things like rheumatoid arthritis. And so the breath work helps you to relax on a deep, profound level. And... Um, you know, you can approach it as like a personal growth thing or you can approach it as a spiritual path or a self-improvement path. So psych or, psychotherapy is what Psychotherapy or physical about. healing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, um, so you're, you're an advocate for, for, for one to, to find out about themselves mentally. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, like I said, I, I follow sports. And one of the things that um, intrigues me when I, you know, look when they talk about 
the 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 great athletes, the ones that excel under pressure. Right. It, it, it speaks about their their ability to remain calm when everybody else is in this uh, chicken without a head type of uh, of thing. Uh, can you talk about that a, a, a little bit? Is that is that is that all trading or some people are just by like they were one of the things I read uh, about this great tennis player uh, Bjorn Borg. They talk about his his heart, the amount of heartbeats that he had uh, in a minute. Uh, it was it, it, things that things like that. Is, you believe uh, there's truth to that? Yeah, uh, and a lot of times it could be something that they just developed in childhood, mm-hmm. and you know. Um, or they might use breathing techniques to, to, to consciously control it. Um, it's a part of, it's a different, it's about the storyteller in the head. It's the difference between pain and suffering. When you, the, the storyteller in the head is what turns pain into suffering. So like a tennis player and he just blew the last match point. Mm-hmm. And he, the storyteller, he's like, you you screwed up. You can't do anything right. You messed up. You should have returned that volley over to the left, not to the right. And he's like agitating himself. Mm-hmm. So the pain of missing the point, which is an objective thing that has happened, becomes the suffering of him beating himself up. And that leads to panicking and running around like a chicken with your head cut off. When you can quiet the storyteller in the head. And... That's one of the things that happens in breath work. People will lay down and do the breathing, and suddenly the storyteller shuts up. And then they're just perceiving themselves from a whole different vantage point, mm-hmm. a whole different new perspective. And they're aware of themselves for the first time without the suffering-creating storyteller in the head running. Mm-hmm. No, 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 <laughs> let, me, let me read um, from what I, what, what I had read um, over in the past he said the average resting heart rate for adults is between 60 to 100 beats a minute and for the most part a lower heart rate suggests that a person's heart is functioning more efficiently than than and that their overall cardiovascular fitness is better right Bjorn Borg one of the all-time great tennis players had a resting heart rate of 35 beats per minute at the peak of his career this was the remarkable result of cardiovascular adaptation from years of tennis training. Wow! Yeah. Right. So when so just from a mathematical perspective, if the average is between sixty and a hundred, the median there is eighty. He's at thirty-five. He's at less than half. Yeah, of that medium. I mean, now he's an extreme example, but this is a. I'm just using this because clearly, if if one has the ability to maintain their composure. Yep. In times when things are, you know, when we're going through crisis, um, that is a good thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Now, what you're talking about with psychotherapy, you're actually telling yourself, and then you've trained yourself over time to to not overreact and and to keep the body, and there's a healing process, but to keep the body in 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 a state of control, regardless of atmosphere. Well, yeah, I mean, and I, I don't want to call what I do psychotherapy. It's more of like no, an I don't know. That's the term I use from Doctor um, okay. Gabor Mate. It, uh, but, but. It's a healing. It's a healing. It's using a healing energy of the breath, mm-hmm. and it just gives you all kinds of benefits. And one of them is is that it quiets down that 
storyteller in the head yeah. that takes pain and turns it into suffering. Correct. When you're beating yourself up, that's the suffering. So how many so, years, how many years now we dealing with this? You you, you personally do with this? Since 1993. 1993. Yeah, okay. I've been doing. I've been at it for a long time. Yeah. I eventually um, became. Leonard Orr's lead trainer. Oh, really? And yeah, and then the executive director of Rebirth International, which is the global mm -hmm. uh, network for all breath work in the world. So how'd you how'd you get on? on well, how do I wind up here? The, the things that you're talking about are consistent with what we're looking at right now when we look out the window because it's absolutely lovely and serene and calm, and that's what you're trying to to to, to, to promote, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how'd you end up on Sinclair? Um. So I was running this center which is like a, let me put it to you this way. You could, I could be, I could, I would get up at five in the morning, do a whole bunch of sessions, do a whole bunch of seminars, do the paperwork, go to sleep at maybe one in the morning, and at three in the morning, there'd be a knock on my door of a trainee wanting to talk to me because their death urge was up. Mm -hmm. And this was like for three years. And Leonard told me I lasted longer than anyone else ever did. And like as a reward, lasted, lasted longer. It's like a 24-7, oh, you okay. get no oh, break. Oh, okay. And so as a reward, kind of as a reward, part of his training process is to send people to a foreign country with no money, and you have to create the money to get back. So he took it easy on me. He sent me to St. Croix, mm -hmm. where at least everybody, I didn't have to learn a new language. Mm -hmm. um, and he, uh, he, uh, he bought the ticket here. I had to make the money in three weeks to get back. But while we were here, my wife and I fell in love with the place. Check this, check this out. Welcome. Thank you. No, no, I'm saying, welcome to reality. Yeah. With respect with people coming to St. Croix and coming to the Virgin Islands and, and well, to the region, to the Caribbean, and falling in love. Is, 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 is the a, energy, like, we got off the plane at the airport, and we're not looking at turquoise waters at this time. We're, yeah. like, on the steps coming down. It's just a tarmac. <laughs> Hold on right there. Hold on right there. We'll take a break. Okay. Uh, we'll pick up the conversation with you landing on St. Croix and, and falling in love. Well, uh, again, again, because you were with your wife. Uh, we got Mr. Ray Bratcher here. Uh, we'll take a break. We're talking about breath work here on a beautiful Friday morning in paradise. We'll be back right after this. graduated from high school in the U.S. Virgin Islands, don't be stuck with college debt. Create your future for free with Free Tuition Plus at UVI. With Free Tuition Plus, your tuition is covered. Plus, you can use additional financial aid to pay for room and board and other expenses. At the University of the Virgin Islands, you'll receive a world-class education with opportunities to study abroad and gain hands-on experience. Choose from 99 majors, minors, and certificates on campus and online. Visit www.uvi.edu and apply today. He said that black smoke was constantly coming out of the burn pits 24-7. And my reaction to it was like, wow, that doesn't sound very safe. I wonder what that's about. And in my mind, I couldn't imagine at the time that type of system operating could potentially harm our service members. Journalism that seeks and reveals. That's On Point with me, Magna Chakrabarty. 
Weekdays at 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1, your NPR station in the Virgin Islands. The possibility of lung cancer can be pretty scary, especially if you're one of approximately 8 million current or former smokers at high risk. That's why SaveByTheScan.org wants you to know that now there's a breakthrough low-dose CT scan that can detect lung cancer early, and it only takes 60 seconds. You stop smoking, now start screening. For an easy quiz to see if you're eligible, visit SaveByTheScan.org. It could save your life. SaveByTheScan.org is brought to you by the American Lung Association's Lung Force Initiative and the Ad Council. Hi, it's Rachel Martin. Lately, I've been broadcasting Morning Edition live from my basement. When social distancing started, my colleague Rolando got on his bicycle and brought me all the equipment that I needed to work from home. Making public radio is totally a team effort. And if you're one of the listeners who donate to this NPR station, you're part of the team. Thank you. Together, we keep NPR on air. Please donate right now at WTJX.org. So we're back here with a uh, great discussion uh, with Mr. Ray Bratcher. Uh, we're talking about breath work. So you, you walk off the plane, you, you're not seeing the the, the emerald blue right. out there. Uh, you got three weeks to get back to Richmond? Right. No, to get back to New York. To New York. And, um, and so uh, pick it up from there. Well, yeah, so... I'm coming, I was in front, and I'm coming down the stairs, and I feel this fantastic energy. And I'm wondering if my wife uh, feels it. I turn around to ask her, and I don't have to say a word because she's got this huge smile on her face. (laughs) So the energy is just fantastic. It's a very healing energy. Mm -hmm. You can have a healing center here and just... Just have people walk on the beach and go for a swim every day, and they'd probably get fantastic results. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So... Um, when we're getting ready to go back, my wife is like, um, you go back, I'll find an apartment and call you and you can come back and join me. And she was joking, but we went back with the intention of moving here Mm -hmm. and took us a year. Took me a year to find a replacement. I couldn't leave the center. I was the executive director at this time. In New York City. In in upstate New York, in the Catskill Mountains. Oh, Catskills, okay. I, I I, I read about the Catskills. All my life, I drove through the Catskills this year for the first time. Oh, uh, wow. Two, two, two and a half months Did you ago. see Walton or uh, no, Delhi? No, no, Did you no, go no, to the uh, no, Oneonta? I, I, I just, I... I uh, Baseball museum in Oneonta, <laughs> no, since uh, you're into yeah, sports. Yeah, yes. Oh, you know that. You know that. No, I I, uh, I drove from New York to Toronto. Went along the southern tier of New York there. Elmira, that whole area. Nichols. Elmira. Nichols. And then I, you, you, then, I worked my, just, then, then I worked my way up to Buffalo. But on the way back... I decided I, did, I wanted to go a different route, and that's when I came through. I took the 90 East, came through Syracuse, Binghamton, Finger Lakes area, and all that stuff. Binghamton, yeah. And, I, I and went I, to Binghamton yeah. like um, once or twice a month and gave lectures over there. Yeah, yeah. So, and, you know, that was, but that's something I wanted to talk about before you leave. So, so I want to get back to that because like, there's something that, for me personally, with respect to um, um, relaxing the mind that I want to talk about. So, you're saying, uh, so you, you 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 needed a year to get a, a, a able body replacement for what you were doing. 
and then you, you you work your way back to the territory. Right. Yep. And we came here, and and um, um, prior to this, I had like a list of five places I'd like to live if mm. I could find a job, mm-hmm. like um, Capri in Italy, um, uh, uh, Denver in Colorado, mm-hmm. or just any place next to the Rocky Mountains. Like if I could get a job there, I would like. So after coming to St. Croix, I threw that list away. I only had I had a list that had one thing on it. Where I have to live, no matter what it takes, St. Croix, mm-hmm. and so we moved here, and microphone. Yeah. And, oh, sorry. And uh, um, but like you were asking me during the break, how I met Zoe, mm-hmm. um, and that's what you know. I was. Um, that's part of what I was talking about before with how people. In, if you're in a certain circle, someone can be very famous to you. But if you're not doing that, they're not, you've never heard of them. Mm-hmm. So, for example, Leonard Orr is because he's responsible for all forms of modern breath work. Intuitive breathing, shamanic breathing, transformational breathing, vivation, um, holotropic breath work. All these different forms of breath work derive from him. So everybody who does breath work knows who he is. And I'm, I'm at a seminar with him one time. And one of the people said, raises their hand and says, um, I don't understand why you don't have your own TV show or why you're at least not being interviewed every week. Tell, tell him Mr. You or to, to or, him, Leonard Orr. To Leonard Orr, yeah. And so he had to set the person straight. You know, breath workers know who I am, but most people in the world have never heard of me, nor do they care. Mm-hmm. And so it's the same way with like... Um, SAN, Science and Non-Duality Conference. It's an annual conference. Been going on for like 10 years and it's a huge thing if you're into this sort of stuff. The science is um, quantum physicists and uh, neuroscience researchers, brain researchers. The kind of people that put like a meditate, a Tibetan Lama into an MRI and scan their brain while they meditate to see if they can find out what the difference is between the brain of an advanced meditator and a normal person. Mm-hmm. And then you've got the quantum physicists who are talking about quantum entanglement. That's the science part. And so it's sand, science and non-duality. The non-duality part is people who have experienced Basically, the permanent turning off of what's called the default mode network, the conscious storyteller in the head. So they just experience reality from a sort of non-dual sense of oneness and total peace and um, uh, equanimity. Mm -hmm. And you would think these would be completely unrelated subjects, but it turns out they all have a lot of overlapping. There's a lot of overlap, and they learn from each other. Mm -hmm. I I got one on my list, and He's a marathon runner. Oh, he used to be a marathon runner. I don't know if he still does it. And he said, as a marathon runner, one breathes at a very high level to include high breathing rate and high efficiency level depending on one's volume of oxygen capacity. However, in most cases, <clears throat> the runners hits hits what we call the wall, the wall. Yeah. somewhere between 18 and the 23-mile mark of the 26.2-mile race. It becomes extremely difficult to breathe to even manage a step at a time. Please share your thoughts and how the techniques you reference apply. Now, you know, when I was in college, my last year of college, you know, my dad was a doctor. And he, he said, uh, he says, son, do you know what happens when a horse, we're referencing horse racing, he said a horse exceeds their vital capacity 
I said, you're the doctor telling me, he said, they stop, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, so it was just, just you know, that, that's what I did, you know, because it, 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 he asked me this, you know, medical question, and, you know, then he broke it down in very, you know, uh, bland language. They stopped. So the question is um, controlling capacity. Now, you're talking about breath work from a healing perspective, right? And a meditation, and, and a meditation, and personal yeah. growth. And the reason why I mentioned the athletes thing earlier is I, I was a big Kareem Abdul-Jabbar fan. And, um, you know, he, he transitioned from a Christian upbringing to a Muslim upbringing that created, you know, some, some questions mm-hmm. about him from ex- externally that he had to deal with and it impacted him and it made him uh, somewhat aloof, didn't trust the media, um, okay. was, was, was looked at as looked as a jerk because he wasn't, um, you know, as happy as, and, and outspoken and all that stuff. And then he spoke about yoga and how the, that meditating, that, that, I don't know, the, those periods of allowing himself to just go through that body healing because that's what he did. Um, th- things of that nature. Uh, this is this is just good for isn't at some point isn't it good for everybody? Yeah, I mean it helps you with um, if you once you've had, you know access to calm peaceful state where the mind turns off. Mm-hmm. It's like now that you know that's possible, it's a lot easier to do it whenever you want. It's mm-hmm. like you know, like for me, for me, my healing is getting in the, traveling to the states, getting in a car, and taking a long drive. Five, six, seven, some ten hours. I uh, I see you responding yeah, to that. Yeah, oh, 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 Leonard Orr used to call driving in a car a, a, a healing machine because uh-huh. you're like clearing out your energy body, especially you know you had the windows down. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Depending on the time of the year, and yeah, and I and like it, to move in the spring and the fall a lot because you know clearly that's you know the summer is very hot, the winter is very cold, but uh, th- there's something about being out there in the elements. You're alone. Uh, sometimes it's yeah. good to be in company, but uh, at the same time, when you're alone in particular, all you got is your cell phone in case something happens and your mind, you're just releasing a lot of things that you're thinking about. And you're about. out in nature, and nature is yes. one, of the, one of the four ways of spiritual purification, which is like cleaning your energy yeah. body. Yeah, give, us uh, the, give us the other three then. Um, earth, air, water, and fire. Okay. And um, so, so, like, um, like I, this, uh, Dr. Mateo was just talking about how um, he went to, I think it was Peru for an ayahuasca ceremony mm-hmm. with like 24 medical doctors from the West, doctors and psychotherapists and therapists and psychiatrists. And uh, he was like in charge of it in terms of like welcoming them and having them set an intention and then doing like integration at the end. But the ceremony was done by the shamans in Peru, the indigenous shamans. And at before the day before the, cere- the ceremony was supposed to start, they all came to him and said they could not let him participate in the ceremony because his energy was so dark and dense, he was affecting everyone else. Mm-hmm. And so they assigned one shaman to work just with him exclusively mm-hmm. while the rest of the shamans worked with all the other medical people. And so he says what happens is he's been working with traumatized people for so long, he picks up their energy. He picked up their, and Leonard Orr would call this emotional energy pollution. You pick up the energy from your clients. It's a, it's a you're processing the energy of people. When I give people sessions, 
it's an act of love. I'm processing their energy. Mm -hmm. And if I don't clean myself with the spiritual purification practices and getting out in nature is, is one of them, um, then I become less helpful and effective for the next person. Yeah. So what's the so what's what's your ringer then? That's the term that you what's what's the ringer? What do you use after to clean yourself after you extracting this this emotional pollution and you're, you're processing it? How do you what's what's your ringer? Um, yeah. uh, it's you get you get in the water yeah. and you breathe. Yeah. You get in the water and you breathe. Yeah. You sit with the fire. Yeah. Your energy body rotates and it rotates through the water. Mm -hmm. That cleans it. Yeah. It rotates through the fire. That cleans it in a different way. Let, let, let me ask this question. When, when I mention the Dalai Lama to you, what, what comes to your mind? Uh, Tibetan Buddhist um, Lama. Yeah. Uh, because you get the impression when you're talking to the Dalai Lama, it's just... He is so cool, yeah. you know what I'm saying, uh, and that that's that's consistent with what you're talking about. Where you, you, you he's he is he is he he's is very a, down to earth a, and real. Is a, a, a natural, well, he's a natural healer. You know, okay. when you from this is from what I heard. You know, of course, everybody wants to meet the Dalai Lama at some point, right? That uh, um, you when you talk with the Dalai Lama, he can break things down to where if you had a lot of worries and all that stuff. He could he, he could get you to to where you could ease that aside at least temporarily and maybe put a plan in place for permanently easing of these worries. Yeah, he's very authentic. Mm -hmm. I mean, and that's part of like what the whole you know trauma response is. You know, when you say childhood trauma, people think you're talking about something horrific, like you know your parents were killed in an automobile crash, orphaning you, or the. Uh, the alcoholic mother was putting cigarettes out on you or the friendly uncle was a little bit too friendly. Mm -hmm. And like, if nothing like that happened to them, they're like, I don't have childhood trauma. But what Breathwork discovered early on in the 70s, we were talking about everybody has trauma, birth trauma, uh, infancy trauma, school trauma. And because it's not, it could be completely benign but how does the child interpret it mm -hmm. what was the child's response to it you can have a tra trauma response to something that's perfectly innocent and leonard or eventually wound up saying unless both of your parents were enlightened gurus you've been traumatized mm -hmm. And so, you know, we've been saying that for decades and nobody's paying much attention. And then Gabor, Dr. Matei, Dr. Gabor Matei comes along and starts saying the same thing. Everybody is traumatized. It isn't what happened. It's how the child responded to what happened. Anything which causes you to shut down and trade in, compromise your authenticity in order to get along is a traumatic experience and it affects you it inhibits you it holds you back your whole life like my first 10 breathwork sessions not only did they heal me of the rheumatoid arthritis i had a memory from preschool where i was riding a tri i was i was riding a tricycle but i wasn't riding it the way you're supposed to i was riding it like it was a scooter standing Except, up on yeah, the back yeah. and i it flipped up i landed flat on my butt and the metal edge, you know, we didn't you know, we didn't have the safety toys back yeah, then. Yeah. The metal edge, razor, razor sharp, cut my leg, and blood starts spurting out. Oh. All the kids are laughing because I landed on my behind mm -hmm. like a slapstick, you know, Three Stooges kind of a thing. Mm -hmm. The teacher or whatever she was is freaking out. 
because of the blood spurting out and talking about inappropriate horseplay. And so I'm like 23, 22, 23, and I'm having this, I'm watching this memory from when I was five, like it's a movie. Whoa. And real. And I'm watching it like, and I'm seeing myself as a five year old saying to myself, never do anything different than how you're supposed to. Otherwise, you people laugh at you and you get in trouble with authority. And then I saw glimpses of myself going through life, you know, junior high, high school, going through life um, where that rule made me not do something that I should have done. It held me back. It inhibited me. It was keeping me down, Mm -hmm. keeping me inauthentic. And I didn't even know it was there. It was like this um, subconscious subroutine in the computer program of my and brain the, and the breath work the breath work uh once uh, i saw it yeah i was like a release wow i mean i didn't even have to do i didn't have to work at it it's mm. just i immediately saw well i'm running my life by the playbook of a five-year-old that's probably not the wisest thing i could be doing so that's what happens a lot of these trauma responses at the time they made sense yeah but then they become your brain is lazy your brain, once it finds the answer to something, mm-hmm. you know, n- neurons that fire together, wire together, it's just going to keep going down the same path. We'll, we'll, we'll take a break, come back, wrap up this conversation cool. uh, with Mr. Bratcher right after this. Here, analyze this, a beautiful Friday in paradise. Yes. We're talking about breath work. Be back right after this. The views and opinions expressed on Analyze This are entirely those of the on-air participants and do not reflect those of the station's board, management, staff, or underwriters. 1A is your place for daily conversation with thoughtful guests and listeners from around the country. Fridays are home to our news roundups, where we answer your questions about the biggest stories of the week. I'm Jen White. This year, we continue to celebrate your freedom to listen, weigh in, and share what you're curious about. And with your help, we'll get to the heart of the story together. Weekdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on WTJX FM 93.1. 